0: Hello, 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 and welcome to Remote Pep Talks with me, Ryan Miller. Now, this is my podcast, and in it, I give pep talks on various subjects. Often what ends up happening is I'll choose a topic, or a listener will send in something that they've been wrestling with, and I'll just kind of freestyle on it. I'll I'll mull it over and try and provide some, some value and some insight and a different way of looking at things. And you know what? They're pleasant, they're generally helpful, and they take place on an audio soundscape, so somewhere pleasant for your ears to visit. This episode, however, is a little something different. It's the first in a series that I call RPT PPP. And the PPP stands for Project Pitch Polish. And what happens in each of these episodes, which I will sprinkle throughout this season, is I have a real honest to goodness conversation with someone who I know, someone who has agreed to be on my podcast, and someone who thinks that I can provide some value, some insight into how they talk about themselves. Or a, their business or their project that they're working on and that is the framework for our conversation they have a pitch and I help them polish it here's a couple other things you need to know about me right now I have COVID I'm getting over it but I'm I'm still sick I'm still coughing but I thought you know what I can still make a podcast I'll just edit out the coughs so that's what I'm doing for this intro Without any further ado, I want to take you to my conversation this episode, which is with the wonderful Mike Brown, an improviser and all-around great guy from New York City. Let's go right now to my Project Pitch Polish conversation with none other than Mike Brown. Yeah, welcome to Remote Pep Talks and this uh, I am your host Ryan Miller and this is a new type of episode that we're doing and something I'm quite excited about. It is called Project Pitch Polish and the genesis of the idea is I like talking to people. Full stop. And then the idea for this podcast or this these episodes of the podcast is that I will get a chance to speak to some people who I like, who I admire, who I think are doing interesting work and who may be able to benefit from a little bit of polish of their pitch. And so I thought I could bring them into the remote pep talks studio, the family, the clan, and have a chat with them. And I'm very excited to have a friend of mine, one of my improv brethren, Uh, who I've known for quite a long time, but as we recently discovered, have not been in close communication for a long time. So we're going to remedy that now, see if I can help this man polish up a pitch. And if we don't get to it, that's also fine. But that is the idea. And the man I am speaking of, who's sitting right in front of me on Zoom, surrounded by a bunch of really cool... uh, Yeah, I'm going to have to ask about this all uh, figurines... (laughs) Is is none other than the man behind New York's Pineapple Improv,
1: Mister Mike Brown. Mike, welcome. Ryan, thank you so much for having me. Like, what, what an absolutely incredible introduction that was. I uh, there's one thing that I take umbrage with. You referred to me as a man. Um yeah. There's nothing manly about me. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. You, a guy. This is a, a yeah. person a guy, a yeah. dude, a human. Yeah. Uh if you want to put child on the end of yeah. man, uh I totally yeah. accept that. Uh but yes, I am currently surrounded in my home office by um oh man, I have not tallied up the uh the sum total, but it's probably in the $5,000 range of uh just toys, action figures, collectibles and uh statues. You know what? It's a uh, it's visually arresting and
0: thank you for also giving me some synonyms to work with because as I started that sentence I'm like he's surrounded by uh and I didn't really know how to finish action figures <laughs> but yeah stuff plastic plastic collect what did you say collectibles
1: collectibles figures um like action figures uh one of uh one of my wife's uh newest uh this is not just my collection this is this is a a, a, a uh, a joint collection between my wife and myself. We have a, a tiny little dumpster fire with a dog sitting on top. Uh, dumpster fire is currently uh, ablaze with the caption. This is fine. This is fine. Yes. So
0: I've used that meme in many an office chat. I think when any project is going poorly, just send that, uh, that dumpster or it because that's actually a, a meme combo that is a dumpster fire with the this is fine house fire Mm -hmm. dog having a cup of coffee there saying this is fine. So that's it's a
1: twofer. Just a, just chilling. And especially like in a post, can I say a post-apocalyptic world, kind of a like post pandemic world. It is, it has specific meaning to the rest of us.
0: Yeah. I think it's something we can all identify with. And Mike, as, as I said earlier, we haven't chatted in a long time and, I want to say, I, I think it's a bit belated, but congratulations on getting married. Thank you. I think that's been a, a few years now, yes? Yeah, we've been, oh, we, uh,
1: let's see, what, today's October 20th? So uh, 19 days ago was our two-year anniversary. Oh, so
0: I'm just sliding in. Uh... <laughs> Go on. What I wanted to say, Mike, was happy belated Two year anniversary for you and your lovely wife.
1: Thank you. Thank well. Likewise, like it's been what nine years since the uh, since the Facebook Messenger chat was active. Uh, we we check in with each other every so often. But you have kids now. I have two children.
0: Yes, and they're one is seven years old and one is four and a half. So yeah, that that's also happened.
1: I feel like the last I saw you I was in Amsterdam we I I showed up to your house and uh, and I believe correct me if I'm wrong but I believe your your oldest child had just been born. Oh, yeah, you might be right.
0: There might have been I uh, I will admit that since my oldest child has been born things have been pretty foggy, you know, <laughs> until until Dead now. Dead brain. Dead brain. I got a little little bit of dad brain but yeah i think that that does sound right so that was that would have been our old our old place because what did we do we went for I, I, I don't know that this is interesting pod content but it's interesting for me we probably did we go for a walk <laughs> did you come in did you meet the kid what happened
1: we we showed up unannounced. i was staying with a friend who also lives in amsterdam and she was just like hey let's just oh you know right like yeah let's let's go show up on Ryan's doorstep and see what happens. We caught you in the middle of, I think you were just in the middle of just playing dad. Like you were a brand new father. Um, I believe both you and your wife were home. Um, and it was just, let's knock on your front door and see if you're home and you were home. And it was just, wow. Hi, nice to see you. Um, I have to go. <laughs> such it was a little uh, it was very imposing, like what like well, it was uh, definitely not the right call to just show up unannounced, but it was kind of a fun moment
0: no I you know what I think it absolutely was the right call, and I'm glad you did and my reaction totally tracks I think especially having a first child everything I'll just speak from my own experience having a having a child it's like I just felt like. I think I'm doing something wrong. And in most moments, most waking moments is like, is is this right? This di- Like, is this diaper? Is, is this sh- crying? Should she, you know, and then uh, having a couple of a uh, couple of friends come in. It's like this. This doesn't feel right. <laughs> this is like, <laughs> this is not They're They're not here to babysit. They're not going to give me tips on
1: what I should be doing with this child. I think our plans were to go to Boom Chicago later that night, and and uh, we just had some time to kill, so we just uh, just dropped in and hey, let's see what Ryan's up to, and so it was it was madness, but it was fun.
0: Well, that's uh, well, you know what, we got a bit more time now to do some catch up, and I want to, so I'll put it in your brain. I did mention it in the intro, and we spoke about it before, but you know, yes. this idea that there, I would like to help you if possible, polish up a pitch. If that happens, if that's useful, please. And as a way to get into that and to catch up, tell me about pineapple improv, where this comes from, how long it's been going. Oh, thank you. You know, I'm, see, I I can, I can, I think I can do this. I think I can do this. (laughs) The, I want to hear a bit about, well, I want to hear as much as you've, you've got about the, the idea behind it, how it's going, where you're, where you're at in terms of clients and who who's coming and the
1: shows you're doing and what you're teaching and yeah, what drives you in terms of that? Sure. Of course. Yeah. Uh, so let me just start with the name pineapple improv. Uh, this is posted, you know, uh, all over my website. People ask me like, why, why the name pineapple improv? There's a strange phenomenon that happens in improvisation. Uh, whenever, <laughs> whenever an improviser is up on stage and they ask the audience for a suggestion of quite literally anything at all. The English language is so vast. There are so many options. There are so many things to choose from. When you ask an audience for literally anything at all, there are hundreds of thousands, if not millions of possibilities of things that one could shout out. But this is where the strange phenomenon comes in, is that uh, for whatever reason, Human brains, at least in the United States, are programmed, uh programmed, conditioned. I don't know what the right terminology is here, but people shout out pineapple. And I don't know why. Or like in uh uh in the UK or maybe different European markets, spatula is a very common yeah. suggestion that people shout out. So pineapple's just it's it's kind of a fun, light-hearted uh kind of embracing of that um of that strange phenomenon that that takes place so uh pineapple Improv is just a just a, a a a brand new I guess starting budding theater company here in New York um uh we focus on mainly uh the teaching aspect of it the training uh the community building but with a with a strong focus towards uh bringing corporate organizations the opportunity not to be funny but to learn kind of the benefits the the uh the side yeah i don't know the, the the side benefits of improvisation of communication empathy public speaking um that kind of stuff team building just using the tools of comedy to make you better and more productive at your job mike great
0: news which is first of all now i know well i have confirmed what i suspected about pineapple improv which is yeah you're doing what i think you're doing and i in terms of that explanation very clear yet i also think i see some places where i can help polish a pitch for you thank you this is this is what i need
1: well i don't i don't know that you need it but this is what you're getting <laughs> <laughs> cuz i do feel a disconnect you know there there's there's the content. I understand the content of what it is that I present other people. Um, like I know how to make someone, uh, from a non-improviser into an improviser. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know how to play the games. I know how to explain the games. I know how to make other people better at their job. What I don't know how to do is how to sell myself. I don't know how to tell, you know, the client, um, this is what you need and this is why you need it. And especially when we're talking about money, when money's on the line and I'm talking, I'm not talking about like a hundred dollars, like I'm talking real money when real money is on the line and they're investing investment money level type money into a training program like this. How do I get them to buy into what I'm selling?
0: Yeah, that's, you know, that's a really good, I mean, it's super important because that's, how we make a living. And exactly. And I think what I see, I mean, rather than yeah, thinking necessarily like how do you how do you market this or how do you, you know, close it, close a deal, what I heard was you explaining where the name Pineapple comes from, pineapple improv on one side. And then I heard you tell me what pineapple improv does. Now I have the benefit of knowing a lot about improv and corporate improv applied improv that kind of thing do you hear those uh sounds
1: if by sounds you mean the fluttering of my heart in, in anticipation for <laughs> uh, uh for for the presentation then yes otherwise no no
0: okay sidebar I, I'm not forgetting what i what I was about to say but I set my computer I said I, I need to focus I don't want any notifications coming and my computer said great I'm going to set you up a focus period of 21 minutes for whatever reason. And then you can concentrate and there will be no interruptions. And as soon as that 21 minutes is up, I will sound a chime to to ruin your audio and and, and let you know that uh, that it's time to take a break, which we're not going to do. But uh, what I'll say, Mike, is the following. So I heard pineapple improv. I heard an interesting, though with a possibility to edit it down the story of pineapple and its relationship to improv and its relationship as a or and its existence as a funny word and you know how it's connected to improv very authentic connection and then i heard a pretty standard applied improv explanation we help with teamwork and team building and blah 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 and what i think could really sure. elevate this Is if we dive more into the idea of the pineapple and why this is the, it doesn't need to be the perfect metaphor for everything you do, but there was almost this, this bridge that I didn't see you take between talking about pineapple and then talking about the improv work that pineapple improv
1: does. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. Using, using it as a, like you said, a metaphor of like we can delve into uh, the stem, the core, the sour, the sweet. Exactly.
0: And I think even the idea of not just the pineapple, the fruit, but pineapple, the, you know, what is it? a Why pineapple improv? Well, for some reason, if you go to an improv show in the U S three times out of five, if you ask for a suggestion, someone will shout pineapple what is the hold that pineapple has on you know on the average American and yeah and I think it's because it's a fun word it's it sounds nice to say it's also new but it's also nutrition like whatever you know kind of whatever are these characters exotic
1: without being too exotic it's
0: exotic it's it's inoffensive but it's it I think it's fun it gets a laugh from the audience because it's fun to yell it out and I wanted to capture that energy of this this fun it's a little bit daring, but it's entirely safe, et cetera, et cetera. And that's, you know what I mean. And then, we're, and then we start shifting
1: directly into the talk of the work you do. You know, I'm going. We're recording this podcast, obviously, because it's a podcast. But I'm going to be going back and listening to that segment that you just said on repeat, so I can get the 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 exact wording, the verbiage down, and write it down. So, uh, so I will have this in perpetuity. So did we? Did we just? Are we done? Is that? uh... I, I mean, you you didn't solve all of my problems. Okay, uh, but (laughs) but uh, I feel like we have opened the door. This is. Like, these are all things that I don't think about, right. and I don't even know to think about them. It's not even on my radar. So certain phraseology is is something that uh, I like to dance around ideas as opposed to cutting through right. and actually seeing what it is. And I think you just did that.
0: Well, thank you. And I think that is the the idea with the the pitch is, you know, to be able to have that clarity. You know, when I do, when I coach... People in, in terms of pitching or public speaking or something. I'm like, we really need to know that core idea. You know, well, there's a bunch of things you need to know. You need to know your audience and, it, you know, blah, 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 blah. But in terms, you need to know your core idea, your core message, and then you can build that up or reduce it down depending on the circumstances. And I think when you talk about pineapple improv, you can have you can go into a, you know, a long, a longer explanation of why the word pineapple is so interesting so you can dive into pineapple improv what are the top 10 or five words yelled out at an improv show what is it about you know the way pineapple it's got three p's in it one in the you know one at the beginning to, you know what two and towards the end it's this many syllables etc cetera, etc cetera. or you can go go to an improv show people yell out pineapple why do they do that because it's a fun word and a pineapple stands for these things these yeah. characteristics and that's why uh I was inspired to use that as the name for my improv studio because we bring these elements of of flavor, of freshness, of you know ex- exotic like you said, etc. and then you can segue into more talk about what you do but it's colored it's not just oh this is we're looking for applied improv or we're looking for a team building and uh, yeah. this is a place that offers it but Oh, I was talking to this guy, Pineapple. I don't remember his name, but it was Pineapple. And it's like, a, he he described it as like a, you know, a zesty, fresh wake-up call for the team that, you know, will leave people feeling energized or what, you know what I mean? Just like uh, pineapple juice or whatever, you know, that kind of thing.
1: And now the words zesty, fresh wake-up call are going to be the keywords on my website. Yes, yes. <laughs> Uh, So here's a question for you. So these are all uh, techniques and tactics that I can use to explain what it is of who I am and what I do as like kind of an elevator pitch when people engage me. Right. But how do I go about creating an audience when I engage other people? How does that phraseology work? Because what I don't want is to answer a question that no one's asked. Right. You
0: don't want to be talking blah, blah, blah about this improv company that you have, et cetera, et cetera. When people are, as you say, it's not a question that someone has asked. So you don't want to be in there kind of babbling on about yourself. Mm -hmm. So my, my thought on that is that this isn't about how you, how you reach out and, you know, get in front of people, but when we're in conversation with people, you know, and this is straight from, uh, what is it? This is straight from Dale Carnegie, you know, how to win friends and influence people where, you know, people like talking to people who ask them about themselves. Yeah. So, you know, we might have, you might've traveled the world in a hot air balloon and, you know, killed a great white shark with your bare hands when it attacked you surfing and whatever. And you might have a chance to tell that story. What do you mean might? So, sorry, that time when you killed that great white shark. Thank surfing, you. Yes. Thank you. So, at a dinner party, at, at an imaginary dinner party, if you clink your, you know, your wine glass and say, I'd like to tell everyone this story about me and this time I did something heroic, it will probably go over well because that's, you know, an interesting and, you know,
1: it's thrilling. A, it, it's a great story that I've told at many a dinner party.
0: My favorite story of yours. However, if <laughs> I, I think the, the the problem is, is when we take up a lot of oxygen in a room and in a conversation, the other people can't breathe. So I think when we make that space and, you know, and this also is an embodiment of, you know, a super important improv principle about listening and making your partner look good. And so when we're actively, genuinely interested and asking questions about the other person, first of all, that's great. And then eventually the conversation is going to come around to us. And that's when we want to have our our pitch, our elevator pitch, or our shark attack story, lined up, you know, and we can draw on whatever it is that we want to say about ourselves at that time. And and I think another another point about that is that sometimes that won't happen if the other person the other person won't ask you a question. They'll just be like, "Great, I get to talk about myself for an hour and a half," and you leave, and it's not very satisfying for us. But it's also quite likely that that other person is not. Ready to hear your message at that time right right if they're not if they're just happy to chatter away then they're probably you know i don't want to paint them with a broad brush but they're probably
1: not in a listening mode or a listening moment in their life well in that in that situation that person becomes me with the great white shark story exactly they all they're interested in is talking about themselves which means they're not in a frame of mind to be receptive to anything that other people have to offer.
0: Exactly. The question isn't really about how do I, how do I get in my, you know, my pitch or how do I, I do my, my thing, my little dance, because it's like, well, that's, that's not a match. Listen to that person, find out what's going on, share some anecdotes or, you know, participate in that conversation. Don't just, it's not an interrogation, it's a conversation, but it's also not it's not sounding to me like an opportunity for you to really lay out your wares on the table and be like, come and check out my business. That's not the place, the time yeah. or the person to do it with.
1: Yeah. Let me ask you this. What challenges have you faced in, uh, cause y- yeah. you've just published uh, a very popular book, the confident presenter um, by Ryan Miller uh, available now on Amazon. You have some, Absolute insight and incredible ways of cutting to the chase and presenting oneself with that confidence, right? So, what challenges have you faced in? Because it's not just about Ryan Miller being the, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the confident presenter that he presents himself as. It's there's a marketing aspect to mm-hmm. that as well. There is a sales uh, of ones or a sale of oneself to uh, to say I have this product that you can benefit from how do you go about getting the word out and in cutting to that chase in a productive non-flashy way
0: Mike first of all thank you for the kind words second of all I am loving being interviewed on my own podcast it's <laughs> it fucking amazing because uh, there's like just a moment of silence and then and then you're like let me ask you this I'm like oh Mike's got it. He's hosting. This is fantastic. <laughs>
1: so it's so the YouTuber in me. Yeah, <laughs>
0: it's it's perfect. And I think there, you know, there's a so much that I want to say about that. And one thing is that it is not my natural state to be. I'm not a sales guy. I'm not a. I'm not a closer. I'm not a a hustler. But I do like doing things, and I like telling people about things that I'm excited. And I do as as the book is i think shows i do have some general sense of how i should productively present myself to the world so that book was when i started writing it a little over a year ago i was looking for work basically yeah. and i was i wanted to what well, what i wanted to do is brand myself as who i want to be seen as and I was like, I, I add value when I give people presentation skills training and I coach people one-on-one with this thing. But at the moment, it's just, you got to take my word for it. Or you have to speak to one of the handful of clients I have in the world who have worked with me, which is not very many. So that book became that way to get the word out. And, and that is, a, I read a book about publishing that described having a book or a book is a business card they don't throw away, and I was like, okay, that's mm. really good. That's really good advice. Uh, well, mm. the implicit advice in there is write a book, and and so I started working on it. And some other advice I heard was, if you're writing a book, don't have to it. You know, like I'm gonna tell them five great things they need, but then they're gonna have to come and work with me to get the other twenty really useful tips or get the rest of my framework or whatever. Right put it all out there, put everything in that you can to make it the most valuable. And that will be what brings people to you. So that's, that's what I did. I put everything I I know, I think about public speaking into that and presentation skills into that book. And it's paid off Mm. in the sense that people who read it are like, wow, that was super useful. Thank you very much. It was fun to read and what a bright and shiny cover and you know, all those things, and I think it's also for me, and I'm interested to get your opinion on this as well, in terms of how you engage or how I engage with clients or how I try to engage with clients, which is I try to make working with me easy and valuable, right? It's not just about getting getting yeah. paid, though that's important, but I do try and even sometimes I think at my own detriment, I try to make sure that the client is happy.
1: I feel like for people like you and me, it's more important to us, and I hope I'm not putting words in your mouth, but I feel like it's more important to us that people have the tools that they need to do the job that they need to do. And and maybe that's putting too fine of a point on it, but these are skills. These are opportunities that were given to us that we really, our satisfaction comes from passing it along and seeing other people benefit in whatever fashion that is that they can benefit from these things and and for me that's where the financial aspect of this becomes extraordinarily difficult because I just want I just want people to play Mm -hmm. I want people to have fun I want people to enjoy themselves and and grow and fall in love with this art form that I've fallen in love with and I will happily do that for free right the problem is that i need food in my belly and shelter over my head and clothes on my back and uh food for my cats like it becomes a really hard struggle what was the question i don't know what the question <laughs> was
0: but that was the answer so that was that that was the okay. main thing and i think yeah. so how my i guess my question is how do you reconcile those at the, i mean it sounds like it's it's difficult and it's an uneasy alliance but you know, how, let's say, how would you like it to be in terms of that relationship with, let's say art and commerce and how is it now? And then we can identify
1: the, the gap maybe and talk around that. Oh boy. The correlation between art and commerce. How do I want it to be? And how is it now? Um, let me start with the, the latter. How is it now? One of the things that makes it a little easier, especially in the focusing on the more Uh, Applied improv, the corporate aspect of it is that companies and businesses have training funds set aside for either like uh, like a uh, not usually a weekly budget, but like a monthly budget or a yearly budget or, you know, a quarterly budget. Right. So companies have funds set aside for this kind of a thing. And when someone brings you in and you you know sit down and talk to them and you know have your consultation, um, whether you talk about you know compensation in that meeting or whether it comes later, it that's just how business runs. Yeah, that's just how business works. So it it sounds extraordinarily trite to say, but it is what it is. Now there's also the concept of undervaluing yourself, you know, and, and, this is something that I learned a lot from speaking with Rick Andrews here in New York. He uh, teaches independently, uh, but he also teaches a lot through the magnet theater in New York. Rick gave me some extraordinary advice, which is, you know, talk to people, find out what they are doing. And, and, and I mean, like, cause I work in improv, right? That's my, that's my bread and butter. How do other people uh, structure their businesses, Mm -hmm. uh, whether it's, uh, you know, a sole proprietor or whether it's, you know, with a theater, how do they structure their finances? How do they charge what they charge? And everything is different. And while it's still more important for me to have for for other people to have these skills and the benefit and the know-how and the hands-on experience, everything is negotiable. So there's a client that I have right now, and uh, we haven't signed any paperwork, so they will go unnamed for now. But uh, one of the uh, negotiating bits that, that we're kind of going back and forth on is I, I know what their budget is, and it's not a lot. So I that means that I have to maybe in some way undervalue myself, maybe just a little, because it's A – um, I know that there's going to be more opportunity that this client leads to landing this one particular client, even though their budget in their division is fairly small, the company as a whole is a bit of a white whale. So having that opportunity could lead to bigger things, could, could lead to to bigger things. So how do I want it to be in the future? I... I I want somebody else to deal with it. Hmm. I just want to be the guy to to roll in, teach the program. I need to have my own financial advisor, uh, negotiator, just like figure all this stuff out. Um, because again, if if the eventual goal, is something that we haven't discussed yet, 10, 15 years down the line from now, uh, the goal is to open my own theater here in the city. Okay. Which is that's a that's a massive undertaking. And and I understand that, you know, having your own theater is basically a mechanism for flushing money down the toilet. But it's the it's not about the theater, it's not about making the money. It's about having the community and giving back to that community the same way that the community gave to me. Uh that's that's what's important to me. So Mike, great answer and great news. I'm really
0: getting a picture and again we need to kind of sift a little bit because I know we're we're talking it out. But what I'm understanding is What's important to you is to do the work and deliver the value. Of course you need you need the money, but that's not what you want to do. okay, that's fine you you gotta do it now, I think until that point in the future when you can hire someone. But this idea of community is is also really important where you're thinking about what borough do you live in? Uh, I live in Manhattan, Manhattan. maybe that's where you want to have your theater or you know you're like okay i think it'll probably more be like here but in a way it also doesn't matter cuz we're not really talking about you're not scouting real estate but you know you can say like i live in manhattan and i'm hoping you know i don't know if we'll be able to open a theater here but community is something that's really important to me and that's something that improv has taught me and is a value of pineapple improv so there's there's one of your your things right in offices we talk about team culture or you know team spirit and company culture those kind of things and yeah. improv embeds these things or is you know is the best workout for those elements of a company because it is all about yeah. support listening etc cetera, etc cetera. and so you have that component as well and you, then you're bringing another you're linking all of your pieces of information so it's not like yeah in 15 years I want to open a theater and Pineapple is funny because it's a word people yell. And we do applied improv, which is X, Y, Z, but you're like, you're starting to create this holistic idea that embodies what
1: you... It becomes an ecosystem.
0: Yeah. And it's what you care about. And then when you're in conversation, and this is something that I sometimes, when I teach workshops on charisma, I talk about having hooks, you know, bait and and hooks. And you know, you're it's sort of like you're fishing. And sometimes, you know, if someone says, hey, how's it going? And you say, good, there's nothing there to grab onto. Right. (laughs) If you know, how's it going? Well, I missed my bus, but at least I'm here. Then the person can either say, well, I'm glad you're here. Let's get started. Or they can say, you missed your bus. Well, so how'd you get here? Right. Any conversation that you're having can be an a path, let's say, into this ecosystem. So if someone's talking about living in Manhattan or whatever, you can be like, oh, yeah, I've lived here for X number of years. And I even hope to open a theater here one day. You're putting that out there. Yeah. If they want to ask more about that. Great. If they don't, that's fine. You want to talk about, hey, how's work going? Oh, my boss. Ah, yeah. It doesn't sound like he's, you know, very supportive. Maybe there's a an opportunity there to to show them a path. Again, you don't want to be too heavy handed about it, but you've got sure. all of these paths they start opening up. And then when you're in conversation, it can happen. It can evolve organically into a conversation in which you're sharing a bit more about the work you do and why it's important to you and why you think it's valuable instead of just being like, here's my sales pitch, or here's my origin and improv. You can kind of weave it all into a master narrative.
1: Right. So uh, earlier you were talking about like a hook in a conversation, right? Yeah. One of the hooks that I use multiple times a day, almost every day of my life, I talk about movies. I'm a big movie nerd. I love film. I love cinema. I love visual storytelling. Films are a medium the human species is connected to. Even if you are not a quote unquote movie person, you have still seen a movie. So by default, when I say, Hey, what's your favorite movie? People turn and they go, that's a strange non sequitur, but they love to talk about their favorite things, right? Even if they say, oh, well, that's a such a terrible question to ask. I don't know how to answer that. What's my favorite movie? Great. Let's reframe the question. Tell me about a movie that you enjoy. And very quickly, you begin to realize there are the types of people who are open-ended and the types of people who are closed. Going back to your bus stop analogy... Hey, how's your day going? Great. Okay, well, I guess you're a closed person, right? Yeah. Hey, what's your favorite movie? I don't watch movies. Well, tell me about a movie that you really enjoy. I don't. Okay, well, what do you enjoy? Walking. Fantastic. Tell me about walking. No. As opposed to, like, it's an entry point that I'm comfortable with. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, by sheer experience, a lot of other people are comfortable talking about Movies because it's not, you know, it's a religious, it's a political for the most part. Yep. And it's an entry point that is a connection thing. So for me, I use that medium of talking about movies in storytelling and stuff like that as a way to connect with another human being. And then once you've made that connection, Bob's your oyster, right? Maybe not the analogy. (laughs) Maybe not as the phrase goes. Bob's your uncle. The world's your oyster. Bob's your oyster. There you go.
0: My question for you, Mike, is did you coin Bob's your oyster just now? Or is that a a phrase? I think I did. Oh, yes. Because I was like, yeah, no, Bob's your oyster. I I thought, just so you know, I was like, oh, that's a phrase that Mike uses fairly regularly. (laughs) And it's and it's great. And it's great. But if you just came up with this now, it is chef's kiss. Perfect. I'm going to be, I feel like I'm going to use it. Yeah. I'm going to use it.
1: (laughs) We all should use
0: Bob's your oyster, right? Well, I think that's that's the title of this episode.
1: Bob's your oyster. Oh, I approve. I approve. It's um, to, you know, paraphrase one of um, my other favorite quotes from back to the future. All right. uh, Let's make like a tree and get out of here. And so few people understand that that's a back to the future reference. But whenever I say, all right, let's make like a tree and get out of here. People are like, hang on, wait, what? Yeah. Or, you know, just taking two random words that mean similar things and mash them together to create something, something brand new. But yes, Bob's your oyster is the uh, is the new turn of phrase. And I th- I thank
0: you for that very much, Mike. We don't have that much more time, but I do want to say that just to not leave your, your movie buffiness, buffedness, <laughs> that's what we're talking about. Yeah, I, I mean, I think one of the values that I bring or one of the ways I bring value is I ha- I'm i generally a pretty enthusiastic person and I have this energy and exc- and I'm genuinely excited about stuff that I get to talk about. And then when other people tell me stuff, I get excited about it. And I think if movies... Are something that excites you, and as we discussed, is pretty much universal. Then that is something that you can bring with, you know, bring with you. And I think if you want to, you know, push the the pitching even further, or the the way that you use this, I mean, you probably draw on multiple examples when you're teaching, but also in conversation. You know, what what is it? There's a I'm trying to think of a line in in cinema. Maybe you have one that that was improvised. Oh, here's Johnny, I think from The Shining. I believe that was an improvised line from Jack Nicholson. Here's Johnny, right? And so you, you have these, and then there's another kind of access point. Oh, we're talking about movies. And if you have these, you know, a few different examples, and basically, then if you have a few different examples, then what you do is you're able to bring these along with you. And what you have is all of these, all of these toys, much like you have all of these collectibles behind you. And you can show off when you have a moment, you can be like, oh, this is the one for right now. This is, let's talk about movies. Let's talk about this. Oh, there's some pineapple. Oh yeah, that's the name of my improv company. Oh, where'd the name come from? And then you can, you know, kind of launch into it. And so you have this and you don't need to, you know, these are tools, not weapons. These are, uh, you know, screwdrivers, not hammers, but you have them
1: with you and you can you can use them when, when appropriate. I know we're short on time, but let me ask you one last question. Yeah. I am the kind of person that goes off on tangents all the time. Mm -hmm. I I suffer from shiny objects syndrome, right? So Mm -hmm. what is, I don't know if there is a quick fix or, you know, uh, a, a very short bit of advice that you can offer, but what is a tool that you can think of that would help remedy that situation?
0: Well, Mike, here's what I'm thinking. Tangents, they sometimes offer the greatest conversational fodder because that yes. is how a conversation moves from topic A to topic F right is like oh we start doing a doing a circuit and then the other person does and you know we make these lateral moves and we get somewhere really interesting but they can also be both long-winded and not on topic you know what i mean and not mike brown long-winded and not on topic what well, that's that is the headline on your cv mike <laughs>
1: I mean, I I need a new title.
0: Yeah, I think uh, that was my other note is to uh, change your CV. No, I think the the idea here is that when you have something really, you know, really coherent that you're excited about, that gives you some room to kind of pop off from it. Like movies is a perfect example. If you tie movies to pineapple improv and... Arya, Arya, off you go that was my daughter Bing. that was could you, did you see any daughter in the background she was coming to get a i did oh, not she's getting a, a pad of paper no.
1: yeah but the way you said that i have to say that was very irish of you what What did i say uh the way that you pronounce your daughter's name off you go oh off you go yeah just 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 very just okay. just a very light casual irish
0: trying, trying to keep it uh keep it down just be uh, be gentle yeah, yeah. so what yeah. i was saying is that i think when you have that let's think of it like this pineapple improv for you as a pitch as a you know as a concept is something that can have a lot of gravity and not in the sense of seriousness but in the sense in the celestial spatial sense where if it's a really mm. compact really tight you really understand it you're like these are how all the pieces fit together and it starts to to glow and hum and then when you're like, oh, I'm going to pop off, you're not necessarily talking about it all the time, but if that's kind of your home planet and you, and you pop off to, to talk about the big Lebowski, you're g- it's going to be a short trip because the gravity will bring you back down to that core idea,
1: that core thought. Look at you getting all celestial. Does that help? Is that wow. is that useful? Yes, of course it is. Making it all relatable and and keeping it all in the same atmosphere is, you know, And just having that presence of mind to tie things together in a shorthanded kind of way. Mike, I love that. Well, I'm so happy
0: and I'm so glad that we've had this chance to talk, but I'm going to try something before I let you go. (gasps) And that is, I want you to just, it's going to be, you know, in theater, they call it the stumble through, right? Where it's like, even though this is a project pitch polished, this is clearly not polished, but just for you to have that, we've talked about it. I've kind of given some versions of what the pitch the direction I think it could go but just to hear you put you on the spot and give you the chance to kind of weave some of those elements together or just start clearing some brush so that those paths can be a little easier to find you're putting an improviser on the spot I don't know if I'm comfortable with this I'm not only putting an improviser on the spot I'm putting a well-traveled talented and deeply experienced solo improviser on the spot so that is the <laughs> is the least dangerous on the
1: spots you can do that uh, description could also very much uh fit you sir true th- th- thank you just saying thank you and
0: uh hey mike i heard you started a improv company called pineapple improv what's that all about
1: oh thank you so much for asking uh ryan miller of whom we are speaking for the very first time ever. So Pineapple Improv is a New York City-based theater company where we focus on uh, more teaching aspects of uh, of improvisation. The term pineapple came for, or the term, the name pineapple uh, comes from a strange phenomenon found in uh, improv crowds all over the U.S. where um, we ask for the audience of a suggestion of anything at all, and the most common response is, pineapple. So we decided to embrace that and kind of uh, find out, get to the heart of the the spirit of what a pineapple is. you know it's fun, it's fruity, it it's a pop of color, it's something that people can relate to. And uh, you know most people associate pineapple with Ohana or, or sorry uh, with uh, you know Hawaiian culture. And if we know anything about Hawaiian culture, Ohana, means family. And that's what we're trying to create here is is a family, is a community uh, of people who can just come together and hopefully benefit from the skills of improvisation. Boom. Mike, how did that feel? Surprisingly, that was much easier than I thought it was going to be. Like when just a moment ago, when you're like, all right, we're going to put you on the spot. You're going to like try and put all of these things that we've been talking uh, about for the past 45 minutes into play. Uh, That was a little easier than I than I was expecting. It was
0: unsurprising to me that it was uh, that it was easy, and it felt from where I'm sitting, you know, it seemed very natural, authentic. It was very very focused. The link, you know, to the name, to the to what you do, that, and then into that, you know, Hawaiian culture and ohana and the family. For me, it it it's already knitting together or stitching together a few of those those threads that were maybe a little more siloed when we were first talking about them. They're a little bit uh, disconnected yeah. from one another. So I think it really, for me, I, I feel real good. This is the first episode of these uh, project pitch polish that we've done, but I'm like, the system works. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. It's creating a narrative. It's creating a story of, you know, what is bridging the gap. And we, you know, as human beings, we're all just natural storytellers anyway, like, you know, the cavemen 20,000 years ago we're writing stories on the insides of cave walls and and that's how we communicate that's how we connect with each other like i never would have thought to make that connection from point a as you say from point a to point f with a story yeah and that makes perfect sense to me
0: well and you you did it so uh you know so effortlessly that it's like okay so that the story is starting to to form i mean these are things that you had right these are elements that you had, and it's just like, oh, hey, Mike, let's just yeah. pick up on that and let's pick up on that and let's just bring yeah. this together. And then it becomes, you know, so much more. I'm like, oh, now I get what pineapple improv is, and I get why it is what it is, and I get what they stand for. And actually, yeah, you fucking crushed it because it actually really. There's not much more work I see that needs to be done. Of course, maybe you can practice it and write it down and you know, yeah. pull out some more themes and think about, you know, some movies and some other ways that you might access it or whatever. But the, the core of the work is is done. So I want to thank you for coming on and uh getting to catch up with from me for getting to catch up with you and then for being so game when I was like, here, I got this idea for my podcast I'm going to try. And you're like, sounds great, man. I'll see you 9 a.m. New York time.
1: What a pleasure. What an absolute pleasure. And, uh, and genuinely, like this is, uh, uh, this is very helpful for me, for my business, for my company. And uh, I think for the people that hopefully, uh, will engage with pineapple improv. Hopefully, this will all be of value and support to them. So thank you for this opportunity, right? Well, Mike, a pleasure.
0: And uh, enjoy the zesty, fun, breath of fresh air that uh, that is pineapple improv. So thanks for being a guest, my friend. Thank you, sir. Well, there you have it. Another episode of Remote Pep Talks in the can and in your ears, and a first version of the PPP iteration of Remote Pep Talks in which I have a conversation with someone, and that conversation is undoubtedly a great one, an enjoyable one, and offers some insight and value traveling in both directions. I want to thank Mike Brown for being my guest and for sharing with me or creating on this podcast, the excellent phrase, Bob's your oyster. I want to thank my man Bone40 for the music, and I want to thank you, that's right, you, for listening. I very much appreciate you spending your time with me listening to this podcast. I hope that Bob's your oyster, and go out there and enjoy your right now.